Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. How you perceive someone. Everybody is facing a battle, a difficulty, some struggle in their life. But every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ is a messenger from God. And as we're talking about the heart of our church, to love God, love people, serve God, serve people, sometimes we just have to lean in and tell them our story too. In 1 John 5.10, it says, those who believe in the Son of God have the what? Testimony of God in them. So when God redeems us, he gives us a new story. Something changes in our life. A new chapter has begun. A new story we're able to tell. In this series, we've been using 1 Peter chapter 2 kind of as a launching point for each message. In 1 Peter 2.9, we were chosen by God to do his work and to what? To speak out. See, when someone tells you to be quiet, don't speak about the Lord. They're actually preaching. When somebody says, don't preach, they're preaching. Because we've been called by Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, you can't preach the gospel if all you do is be quiet. Somebody needs to know the message of God in your life and through your life. Now, we have this big party on Friday night. You've heard about it a lot. Last year, almost 1,600 high school kids attended our party. Now, we are loving them and serving the students in our community. And then on the 31st, we block off the street. We are loving and serving our community with a totally free party. And why are we doing that? Well, it's because we want to get you out of the church house. It's easy to come into the church and just be the church, But when you're the church out in the world, it makes a world of difference. And though these big parties happen, some 3,000 people will come, maybe even more to our family fun block party. But I want to talk to you today about life on life, about how your life can impact the life of someone else with the message. We've been called to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made in your life. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Now, we all know what witnesses do. They just tell what they saw. Years ago, there was a traffic collision over on H and Central. I happened to be driving by, and I looped back by by the credit union and came in. The officers came, and uh, later on, one of the officers, who was a friend of mine, said, hey, did you see what happened? I said, yeah, tell me what you saw. Be our witness. And I said, the white car ran the red light and hit the green car. That's all I needed to know. I didn't talk about crumple zones, about impacts. I didn't talk about inertia. I didn't talk about airbag deployment because I'm not an expert in that field. But I I knew what I saw. I saw one car run a red light and hit another car who was going through on a green light. And they said, thank you very much. I thought I was hopefully helpful, except some of the people on the sidewalk were yelling and screaming what they saw. They saw something totally different. They were witnessing what their story 
told them or what they saw in their story. Today, we're going to go to John chapter 4, and we're going to talk about the first person in the Bible who actually shared her story of the gospel. Now, Jesus talked about the gospel. The disciples shared the story. But the first person other than Jesus and the disciples to share the gospel was a woman. So guys, deal with it. Okay? Sometimes people say women shouldn't have a ministry. They don't have a place. No, 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 they do. They do have a place. Thank God for that. And Jesus chose a woman to be the first. And Jesus told chose a woman who actually would kind of be at the bottom of the ladder in society because she had some problems in her life. And Jesus reminds us with her story that all of us, regardless of our past, have a place in his kingdom and a place where he can use us for his glory and honor. So take a look at her story from John chapter 4, The Woman at the Well. Take a look. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. The woman said, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? Jesus replied, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. The Book of John, Chapter 4 They say your life could change in an instant. And mine did when a Jewish man asked me, a Samaritan, for a drink. I have been drinking from the same well for more years than I could count. For me, change seemed impossible. I didn't even want it. But the well always left me thirsty. So I came back to it over and over. No one else could see me. I always came alone. The truth was, I had no husband. He told the truth, the real part of my life, the one I tried to hide, but he looked right through me and met me where I was. He wasn't ashamed of me. He wasn't angry. In my life, I thought I'd experienced love. I, I thought I was pretty good at finding it too. I didn't even know what love was. On an ordinary day, I went to draw water and had a thirst quenched I didn't even know I had. I don't know if they'll believe me, but I gotta try. I gotta tell them. I found the Messiah. 
Rather, he found me. It's an amazing story. His words open up her world to him, Jesus. And her words later open up the world of others to the words of Jesus to change their life. The woman at the well responds to her transformation in one word, and you can write this down in your notes, testimony. Testimony. What did you see, the officer said to me. I saw that car run the red light. My testimony. I think the world is desperate to hear the story of how the Messiah has changed our lives. So first, let's just look at this. Number one, her testimony. Her testimony. What is she giving testimony to? Something that happens to her, and now something that she believes is true for everyone. John 4, 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Come see a man who knew everything about me. Now, you have to understand something about the woman at the well and Jesus Christ, the Savior. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. Samaritans hated Jews. They didn't get along. She's a woman. He's a man. In that culture, men and women didn't talk to each other unless you were married to someone or engaged to someone. She's at the bottom of the rung in the social order of things. She's had a ton of men in her lives, husbands as they're called in the Gospel of John, and the man she's with now is not her husband either. That's why... The Bible says she comes to get water in the afternoon. Now, no one got water in the afternoon. As we saw in the video, she comes by herself. No one got water in the afternoon because it's too hot. Everybody came early in the morning. Why? Because you wanted water for drinking, water for cooking, water for washing clothes, and water for bathing. And you did that early in the morning, but now she's coming in the afternoon, and she's coming all by herself. And God had divinely appointed that moment for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to speak to her. And she says, come and see a man who told me about everything I did. You know why? Because the people in society knew what she had done. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did and didn't judge me. He didn't push me aside. I came with my water pot looking for water. I came getting H2O, and I ended up getting the living water through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus saying, I'm the living water. See, a testimony is to give a firsthand authentication of the very important fact. It's an eyewitness account. This is what I saw. This is what happened to me. John 4, 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Let's think about that. People were changed. People believed because she spoke up about what had happened to her. Back up in verse 27, Jesus 
uh, uh, is talking to this woman, and just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with her. He's a rabbi. He has a pretty great following at this time in his life. And here he comes, and she gets right to the core of Christianity. You want to know what the core of Christianity is? One word, grace. Grace. The living water that Jesus was offering this woman was because of grace. And she goes out later and spreads the gospel the same way she received it. Not the Bible being thumped over her head. Not judgment. Not him saying, I'm sorry, you're the wrong gender. Or you're the wrong ethnicity. Or you've done bad stuff. I can't use you. No, he says, I'm going to speak to you. Because everyone matters to God. In John 4, 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What she shared mattered to them. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. What you share about Jesus matters to people and it matters to God. The woman said, I know that Messiah, verse 25 and 26 called Christ is coming. And, and, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one that's speaking to you. That should be John, not James. My fault. Sorry. And isn't it interesting? One of the greatest parts of this story, besides Jesus meeting her, is found in one verse, verse 28, then leaving her water jar. Now think about it. She carries this jar over her head, most likely. She came for water, and she encounters Jesus in such a way, she forgets why she came. Isn't that great? Uh, there's an old hymn of the church, especially sung in the South, looking for love in all the wrong places. You ever heard that hymn? trying to fill the void in our soul with something other than God himself. She's coming looking for natural water, and she encounters the Lord in such a way that she forgets why she came in the first place. She left her water pot there. Not only does she have a great testimony, I want to share with you how she testifies. She testifies with disarming transparency. She's open, and she's vulnerable, and she says to those who are listening to her, this is the man who told me everything. This is the man who treated me with grace. Now, no doubt, if you follow her story, she's had some men in her life that haven't treated her with love and respect. No, no, no doubt she's been abused. But here's a man who comes and loves her. It happens to be God in the flesh, Jesus the Messiah. And she doesn't preach a sermon. Isn't that amazing? She doesn't have PowerPoint or screens. She has no fill-ins. How on earth could you ever teach without that? 
And she comes and she tells her story and she tells what happens to her. She went public and she didn't hide who she was. She also comes with reality. She's real. She shares the story about herself. And she's no longer who she was. She's been transformed. And I love her story because she uses what I call Jesus simplicity. No deep theology here, but Jesus simplicity. Do you know, sometimes we know too much that we ruin our story trying to tell everybody everything we know. Well, I... I, I know a little theology here and a little theology there. We, we, we try to mix it in. I still believe this, that when we stand up and we tell somebody or we sit next to somebody and we tell them, you know what? Jesus Christ has transformed my life. Here's how. People want to hear that. People love people's stories. Now, here's something really great about Jesus. I mean, there's so much great about him. But here's one more thing great about Jesus. Muhammad and Buddha say, go find the way. Now, in, in, in Buddha, we have the eightfold path of enlightenment. Go follow these things and you'll be enlightened. And in Muhammad, we have the five pillars of Islam. Go get the pillars. Go get the eight ways to the enlightenment. Go, go, go. But in Jesus... We have John 14, 6. He never says, go find the way. He says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I had somebody recently say, you know what's wrong with Christianity? You guys are narrow-minded. Uh, here's your answer. You want the answer for that? We're not narrow-minded. We walk a narrow path. There's one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. There's one way to have our sins forgiven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And somebody says, well, pastor, you're narrow-minded. Don't blame me. Blame Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What does he say? No. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when he's dying on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. He speaks through the, the quarters of time. He's speaking to us. You, Father, you forgive them. They don't get it. But as he stretches out his arms, he's saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And here's the beauty of this story in John 4. He doesn't tell this woman, get your act together, then get to know me. He meets her right where she's at. That's the kind of Jesus I want to serve. He meets us right where we are, and he transforms us. You know, everyone is proselytizing for their beliefs. If you were here last week, we talked about that. Everyone's proselytizing for their beliefs. If someone tells you, don't preach about Jesus, they're preaching. If they tell you, you be quiet, they're preaching. Because our Jesus said, go into all the world and come on and preach. Open your mouth. Tell somebody about him. I think there's another thing that we see. This woman had a brave heart. Not, not the movie, not Mel Gibson. Brave heart. She had a brave heart. She comes to the well in the heat of the day. 
and she meets Jesus, and it makes her brave. I think the question to ask is, do others know what you believe? Is it fear that keeps you from testimony of Jesus? What holds you back? I talked to a couple people after last service, and they said, oh, I feel challenged. I go, good. You came to church, I feel challenged. Good. Yeah. See, I could give you nine steps today to happiness. You'd all go home, and you'd forget them by lunch. But I don't think you can forget the story of a woman who was transformed by the Messiah, most unlikely candidate. I found this quote, and I don't know who to attribute it to except to say it was an anonymous quote I found online, so I'm going to give credit to the anonymous person who wrote it, and it's in your notes. If we really believe we have a cure for the human soul, We either do not care for our neighbors or we don't really believe in the faith we possess. Hmm. If we really believe we have a cure for the human soul, which we do in Jesus Christ, the answer for sin is His grace and mercy and forgiveness. The answer for sin is His blood on the cross. The answer for sin is His resurrection from the dead. If, If we really believe that we have the cure for human So we either do not care for our neighbors or we don't really believe in the faith we possess. If we believe in that faith, it's our motivation to open our mouth and care for those around us. See, the question is, whose understanding of the truth makes them more loving and respectful toward people who differ with them? I get kind of tired of people who are so anti-Christian. You know, if we believe what they believe, that's great. Every, everybody's fine. Good. Got it. Great. We like everybody. Everybody's fine. But the minute you go against the grain of somebody, you see their true color. Their fangs come out. You know? In some circles, we have between 2 and 4% of the population in America telling the Christian church what to do and not do. And we don't want to offend anybody, so we just... Listen, love will never offend anybody. I've never had anybody come in 25 years of doing the big game post-game party and say, I'm offended at you providing all this free stuff for high school kids and a safe environment for them. After No one's been offended by our love. This woman was not offended that Jesus talked to her. She could have said, excuse me, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, I don't like you. But he came to her in grace and in love. She was not offended by his love. I don't think people are offended by love and service and acts of kindness when there's no strings attached. I've never met anybody that way. We give water away at the parade route. I've never had anybody say, oh, I'm offended because you give away free water. And I've never had anybody be offended by this statement. Hey, how can I be praying for you? Never. I've actually had people bow their head and say, would you pray now? Now, John 4, 19 and 20, the woman tries to throw in some theology. Uh, What do I know, religious? Uh, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is Jerusalem, referring to the temple. 
And I love what Jesus answers with. He says in verse 23 and 24, yet a time is coming and now it's come when true worshipers will what? Worship the Father, how? In spirit and in, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So what he does here is talk about relationship, not religion. He says, I don't care if you're on the mountain or on the temple. There's a time that coming, and scholars believe when he says, yet the time is coming, he's referring to his crucifixion, where he makes the pathway for all of us to come and worship God without religion. No, nothing wrong with corporate worship, you know, set lists, guitars, lights, all that's fine. But I've had some of my best worship moments on the 101 freeway, driving southbound to a meeting, the ocean on my right side, blue skies ahead, and just me and God in the car. Boy, I sing. You ought to hear me sing when I'm by myself. Well, you better not. I make up parts and words and everything else. Yeah. Ever worship God in the midnight hour? The darkness of your soul? 2 a.m., you can't sleep, you toss and turn, and you just stop for a moment. And you give God thanks that he's with you. And he touches your heart. Ever been afraid? Ever been in a doctor's office? Waiting? 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 Yeah, if time heals all wounds, we'd be healed. Waiting. <laughs> In the doctor's office, right? Come on. Some of you have been through hell and high water. You've gone through tragedies. You've lost loved ones. Some of you have survived cancer. Some of you have lost loved ones to cancer. Some of you have family members who, as we think about loving our veterans and veteran days around the corner, who've lost their loved ones in wartime. You get that. You get that. And I think people want to know, so how do you do it? How do you cope? Well, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it does for us what it did for her. Her motivation, number three, to testify. What was her motivation? I believe that this Messiah who's changed my life can change your life. That's her motivation. The gospel is news of an objective, history-changing event. It has changed her life. This woman said, come and see a man who knew me to the bottom of my life and loved me to the skies of heaven, knew everything about me, all the dirt on me, but loved me anyway. I think people need to know that story. See, to be loved and not really known is superficial. I mean, there's some people that love movie stars. Don't even know them. Oh, I really love Justin Bieber. Or I really love Bradley Cooper. He's a handsome dude. I can say that. I'm as straight as an arrow, but he's a handsome guy. Women like seeing him on the screen. There's people that still like Brad Pitt, and some people like... Justin Timberlake, and come on. I love it. You can love them. You don't even know them. You don't even know where they live. Superficial. But to be known and be rejected, that's painful. 
When someone finds out the real you and they reject you, that's painful. To not be known and loved, superficial. To, to have somebody know you and reject you, that's painful. But to be fully known and loved anyways, that's Jesus' way. He knows everything about you. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been battered. He knows. And he loves us anyway. Isn't that great news? People are dying to find out that news. And they're searching for news like that and looking for love again in all the wrong places. But you and I have a testimony that we should share. If you know Jesus Christ, you have something to say. And there's people that want to know it. So again, 1 John 5.10, those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God where? In them. How many believe in the Son of God? Raise your hand. You believe in the Son of God? Look, look it. You have a testimony inside of you. That's what it says. What's your testimony? Well, I'd rather not say. Ah, wrong. Just pretend somebody's walking up to you and say, uh, we need an eyewitness account. What if you say, well, I don't know a lot of theology. I don't know a lot of Bible verses. That's okay. Tell people what you know. I prayed one night and it was dark. And I felt peace in my heart, the peace of Christ. I can't explain it, but I know it to be real. I sat in an ICU room with somebody I love and cared for. I thought my world was coming to an end, but all of a sudden, I felt the presence of God, and I knew I'd be okay. I knew the God that we sang about earlier, he's faithful. I was haunted by my past, by my sins, by my mistakes, by my guilt and shame, and I, I came to the Lord, and I gave him everything, and I, I, I felt like a weight was taken off of me. It's not just some wishful thinking. I know that I know that I know, based on the biblical truth and my experience together, that God has redeemed me and cleansed me from the inside out. People need to know your story, but are you ready to tell your story? The Bible says be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have in your heart. To explain the hope you have in your heart. So at the bottom of your outline is your homework assignment. Homework. Now, if you are in a small group, there's some still meeting, or if you came to church with someone today, or if not, find somebody. Beg them to do this with you. Write down your story. You should have your story in your hip pocket, on your phone, in your purse. It should be ready to go, and you should pray this every day. God, have someone cross my path today who needs to hear the gospel. And you'll be surprised. People will come up to you. I was in a meeting the other day, and some lady asked me this question. So, how did you come to know Christ? I mean, it was, it was like, that was the question. How did you come to, you know, having a business meeting, and how did you come to know Christ? I started telling her the story. Now listen, I know a few Bible verses. I know a little... A couple of Greek words, a couple of Hebrew words, a couple of Latin words. I just talked to her about my story. 
Here's how I search for Christ. Through a tragedy in my family, I started asking questions about life and afterlife. And then I was given a Bible with all the words of Jesus in red. And at the ripe age of 14, I spent the summer reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but only the red verses, the words of Jesus. I read them over. I wanted to know what he had to say because somebody said this to me. You know what you need, Bernie? You need to know Jesus. I said, okay. So they gave me a Bible. Here, here's the thing. Here, read it. Wow. And I looked, and it said right in the front, red letter edition. All words in red are words of Jesus. I said, go. My friend said, I need to know Jesus, so I'm going to read what he said. Over all summer long. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think people need to know that story. So, the other day, out of the blue, this lady asked me, how did you, you were a Jewish kid, how did you come to know Jesus? Well, I'm tragedy in my family, somebody gave me a Bible, and I read all the red words. Oh, it was so cool. I had it in my hip pocket, man. See, when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I say, well, what do you want to know about my personal life, my family life, my work life, or my spiritual life? Uh, your personal life, whoa. And I tell them about Jesus. Your family life, and I tell them about Jesus. <laughs> your work life, I work at a church. I tell them about Jesus. Huh? Your spiritual life, I tell them about Jesus. You could try that. Hey, how's it going? Well, what do you want to know about? Most people will be shocked, because usually, how's it going? You say, fine. You say, how's it going? They say, fine. That's the end of the conversation. How you doing? Good. Or we, or we do the American way. We nod our head. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, you good? I'm good. Yeah, good, good, fine, fine, good, good. Doing great, fine. Every, yep, doing great. Doing great. Hmm. Why don't you try this next time when somebody says, how you doing? Say, uh, well, what do you want to know about? My personal life? My, most of them will walk away, but my personal life, my spiritual life, my work life, my family life, and then give them Jesus. So how, what are you going to give them? What was my life like before I met Jesus? Do you know? Now, if you met Jesus when you were five, there won't be a whole lot of life to talk about. So, move on to the next one. How'd you come to realize that you needed Jesus? Huh. For me, it was a tragedy in my family. For me, it was asking people questions of what happens to people when they die. And the answers weren't very good. My rabbi said, well, people rest in peace when they die. Rest in peace? What does that mean? May you rest in peace. What does that mean? You know? And if your loved one happened to be very active or outdoorsy, resting is not a good proposition. Didn't work for me. How did I come to realize Christ? How I committed my life to Jesus. I remember the day. You should, if you're a saved person, you should know when and where you gave your life to Christ. Again, unless you're five and now you're 80, you might forget. I can still remember the chair I kneeled down in 
I can still remember where, when. I can still remember the first time I really understood the gospel. I was standing by a tree. <laughs> My youth pastor was explaining to me all the stuff I had read in read in the Bible. The difference Jesus has made in my life. I think number four is profound. That's exactly what the woman in John 4 does. Come and meet a man. She emphasizes man because, again, she's a woman. Come and emphasize a man who told me everything I ever did and shared with me the fact that the longing of my soul was not just physical water. It was spiritual water. And if I drank of that spiritual water, I wouldn't thirst again. I've been searching for love in all the wrong places. I've been allowing myself to be minimized as a woman. But now I realize I'm a person of value. The difference it's made in my life. And then, number five, the power of the Bible in your life. You start with your story, then you bring people to the Word. And then you remind them that Jesus Christ who lives in you, wants to save them too. And sometimes this is a great question you can use. Could he be the Messiah for you? I shared with somebody not too long ago, not emphatically, like, you need Jesus, turn or burn, the end is near, right? I just simply said, could I challenge you to seek out the claims of Jesus for the next three months to simply find out who he is? I will give you scriptures. I will email you. I will answer your question the best I can. Because if you seek Jesus, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart. This woman is an example for us. And all of us have a story to tell. John reminds us that if we're in Christ, we all are messengers of Christ. Now, some of you just got nervous. When I said, all of you should go share your faith. Because you're thinking of three or four or five people who will shoot you down. Don't you bring that stuff near me. <laughs> well, if you believe you have the cure, if you really care about them, go for it. I challenge you. Just ask them. Can I share my story with you? Just tell them. I, I care enough about you that I want you to know what's going on inside of me. Well, I don't preach. Well, Jesus says preach. Share the gospel. Don't share the gospel. Jesus says share the gospel. Tell people the good news. Be ready. Be prepared. Give an answer. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.